before you guys are seated, will you pray this prayer with me? Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. And this is Revelation 16, 17 through 21. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake, such as there has never been seen uh, since man was on the city on the earth. So great was the earthquake; the great city was split into three parts, and the cities, uh, the cities of the nations, fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of His wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. Great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell from heaven on the people, on people. And they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. You guys may be seated. This is my favorite passage of scripture I've ever had to preach, had the privilege of preaching. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Just uh, peals of thunder and all that fun stuff. But I love, I actually do love this and I love what the Holy Spirit uh, allows us to see and and allows us to to be. Um, To be honest, as I get into this, like, I don't know what it's saying. Like, with much of Revelation, there there comes a point where um, I'm just like, Holy Spirit, what do you have for us today? What is it that you have for us as a church and and that's kind of what we have to go on sometimes because this stuff hasn't happened yet and we can make conjectures about the future but we don't know and we don't know and i find it a blessing to not know exactly how things are going to play out because in the meantime as things are uncertain here and now we get to trust god in the midst of whatever it is and whatever's to come and we can really bank on the fact that as we prayed this, that the glory will be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And as it was in the beginning, is right now, and will be forevermore, including during this passage. And blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. And again, um, as we go through this section, Revelation 16, 17, and 18, we get to remember that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, and we filter everything through those lenses. But here in this, in this uh, is a continuation of last week where the, the nations of God, God made a way for the nations to come and finally wage war against him once and for all. And here we see that the governments have finally failed. The governments have finally failed, or as we've been saying it here in Revelation, the empires have crumbled. They've disintegrated. And now is the beginning of the last war. And we get a glimpse uh, once again into the destruction of the failures that these governments and empires have had here on earth. It gives us a picture. And as I was praying about this week, I was praying through mainly the idea of Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great. For the next couple chapters, this idea of Babylon is so important. It's so important for us to be able to just establish like what is Babylon. And I believe it's a multifaceted symbol. There's not one exact way I think that you can read Babylon. Was it Babylon that we see in the Old Testament um, that was 
Honestly, it was used by God, but they also tore down the temple and they stole artifacts and they worshiped false gods. Was it that? And it, and it, it could be, but it's a symbol. I believe it's more than that. It's a symbol for a great and ruling nation. Or we can say it a different way. It's a symbol for those nations who have oppressed God and oppressed his people through their governance of the people. And it's a symbol really for demonically influenced powers of the world. And this is, this is what happens. And at the time it was written, Babylon would have represented, people would have read it, been like, oh, Babylon's Rome. There's no question about that. Like Babylon's Rome and um, other people in the, in the world have ideas of what this could be. And, but Babylon is embody, the embodiment of the Antichrist world. Anything that would keep us from worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth, that's what Babylon is in an idea. And the way that I've been thinking about Babylon this last week, and something I've been just praying about a lot, and what I'd like to, for us to consider over the next couple of weeks is that Babylon is the symbol for the cult of governor, or uh, for uh, government. In this world, we are divided into nations of different groups and different peoples, different uh, styles of government are, are there, different people groups, different land masses are each there. And the, the rights of each nation are important to that nation. And so in for those nations, they establish a government. This is something that happens and we can see it. And when the, the government crumbles, you see the country crumble. And if you, if you want a good view of that, look at Haiti right now since they lost their president. By all accounts, the president wasn't the greatest president in the world. But since he was assassinated, the country's just fallen into mass disrepair and chaos. And it's really sad to watch. So government, government can be used in a, in a positive way. But... And there are nations that don't like each other from a political standpoint, from a people standpoint. And so the people of those nations are viewed as others uh, like, um, like the government of their country, like the government of their country. In my experience, if you've ever traveled outside of the U.S., as a U.S. citizen or um, you go into any other country, they have opinions based uh, of you based on your government based on the news that they get about the country that you come from. And, and regardless of how you feel about the government or the current administration, this happens uh, frequently. And um, the nations have their governments because uh, this world and its powers, the one, the powers that are gonna fail, this uh, are run on the cult of government. That's how this world is run. We need governments and their leaders, even if they're corrupt, at least even in that, there's someone to blame, right? It's like, well, it's not us. It's the government. It's the leaders. And we, we have someone to blame. And government in its purest form is to help lead the people in a good direction towards in betterment of life, whatever that may mean for that particular people group. It's not just individual lives, but it's the whole of the nation that, that they're looking. And it's a very, very difficult task for governments to do. I mean, they have their ways of going about this, but it's there. But having the need of government often leads to nationalism. And, and one pride in one's nation over against 
any other nation that is there or any other nation or group. And I kind of define nationalism in my mind. This isn't like a technical definition, but it's the worship of one's nation over against all other nations and over against God. So in this case, worshipers will be willing to sacrifice just about anything for the health of their nation. So if there's taxes, no problem. It helps continue the greatness. It helps take care of people that I don't want to really take care of, but we can pay and and then the government will handle it. So it's a good thing. We don't mind paying that or hard work and a lot of production and a lot of like really making the economy and the GDP grow. We'll be glad to contribute. Yes. Okay. If this is what we can do, then we're going to do it. Or um, we, we can see that there are people like in that have been very willing to contribute life and limb in battle. And it's no problem because they'll be considered a hero in their nation. And very much to me, if we look at this in a way that people can devote their lives to their nation, and, and it's the worship in the cult of government is a devotion that should be reserved only for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, a lot of times is demanded of the citizens by the nation. So if Babylon is a great cult of government, then we are watching this great cult fall and fail once and for all. It is being exposed for the inadequacies that governments have. They say that they care about us and they, the, the people, and they say that they're doing their best to lead us, even if, um, but even their best will lead to death and destruction. Even their best will lead to death and destruction. And by the way, I'm not just talking about the United States. I'm talking about every government on nation. They, they all fall prey to this cult. I don't think this is just an American problem. I believe most nations think of themselves as great or they look up to some other government as the perfect model in the world as the way to get things done and they idolize the other governments rather than their own. But this is the way that the cult of government works because the cult of government have their own myths They have their own traditions. They have their own holidays. They even have their own parables. In this nation, and I'm only using this nation because I grew up here and I know it better than any other nation, right? But we have the myth of the founding fathers uh, being Christian, that all of them were just God-fearing men and worshiped in spirit and in truth, Jesus and all this, and that they were combatants for truth. This is the story, especially if you grew up in church in the United States, this is the story you were told. And, um, and this is a story that a lot of books like to say, well, we are a Christian nation and this and that. But as you start looking at, um, at some of their lives, you wouldn't really want them in your church, let alone claim them as like this really great standing Christian. And I like, but we, but there's also like their own myths or, or parables. So I like the, the easiest example I can think of was George Washington and the cherry tree. Have you guys heard this story, kids? I don't think my kids have heard this story, but okay. So it goes something like this. George Washington, for like his sixth birthday, he got a hatchet for his birthday. How many would like that when they were six-year-old boy? Like just go out there with a hatchet for sure. And so what happens when you give a six-year-old boy a hatchet? He goes around cutting, what's that, Chaucer? He cuts down trees. They cut down bushes. They'll cut down anything that they can find. And so George Washington does the same until one day, he cut down his dad's cherry tree and it was lying down and his dad asked him, George, what happened? And he said, 
Son, or Father, I cannot tell a lie. I cut down that cherry tree. So then, because this, this part, uh, is part of the story, this myth of the founding fathers, uh, the myth of the founding fathers is that they stood for truth at any cost, even if they would have gotten punished. So be honest like your founding fathers. It's a great moralistic story, isn't it? It's a great moralistic story. Tell the truth, no matter the consequences. Because you know, you cut, kids, you cut down one of my cherry trees if I had one, what would happen? You'd probably get in trouble, right? Like, and George Washington had probably that fear, but because he, he fought for truth, he stood for truth, justice in the American way in that moment, and that was this myth that's been sold to us, and it's an example of American. Other countries have their things as well, where the government did something, and, and, and it's quite, um, actually, it's probably a lot of those myths is why I like the stories of North Korea, because it's just, like, they have so many myths and, and legends that are told, and they're so fantastic. But governments and the people, even in this, governments and the people are different. But the cult of government wants everybody to conform to their ideal citizen. The government would love for its citizens, any government, I believe, would love for its citizens to do the bidding of the nation. Right? Put this in context of Jesus. Aren't we supposed to walk as Jesus walked? Aren't we supposed to do the bidding of Jesus? Doesn't it sound like worship of just another sort in kind? That these nations who have defied God, they're marching in battle against God and that's why I believe this is the cult of government is because is there, um, have you, uh, have you ever met anybody from another nation that you, that we might be at odds with? And it, as you, if you've done that, um, did you find that much of their understanding of you was wrong based on what they understood of our government or that much of what you understood about them was wrong? And so growing up, I was thinking about it this way. Growing up, I was taught um, to distrust Russia and to protect my mom. I was not taught by my mom or even my dad, for that matter. I was not taught to distrust uh, Russia by my parents. I was taught this by, um, uh, I was taught this because Russia at the time that I was growing up was a threat to freedom and democracy. And you can't get around this. They were a threat. And that anything that stands for the way of freedom in the way of freedom and democracy is evil that should be avoided. And I remember this even uh, early on when GPS came out. There was a uh, Russian guy found in like uh, Redmond and he had a GPS. And so everybody, the rumor was that he was a spy because he had a GPS. Now everybody has a GPS on him. Every, you know, it, everybody has it now. So I guess we're all spies. Um, but in my early 20s, I became friends with a, a, a Russian who lived in Moscow. He was from there. He was visiting the United States for a couple of years. And he uh, was very much different than I imagined. So I would talk to him about some of the myths that I heard about Russia. And he would laugh. And he would say, it wasn't like that where I lived. And I'm like, wait a second. I was told all Russians are this way. And he's like, nope. And he... Uh, experienced me different than what he thought Americans would be like. And so it was very interesting. So first of all, like my friend, um, he was a Christian. He was a Christian. He loved Jesus. We talked about Jesus openly. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that there were Christians in Russia because it's just a godless communist nation. That's what I was taught. And so this is again, going speaking to the sin of nationalism. 
And um, second, I was really surprised because as far as I know, he was not a spy or doing espionage missions at night. He was not doing these things. And if he was, he used my van to do them, I guess. So um, it's one of those things. But he was a friend that helped me see the flaws of each government and helped show me the lies that were being told about us and the lies that were being told about him and his people. Governments and their people are different. Governments can, uh, can be and do evil while its people can be sweet and innocent of evil. This can happen. Governments are generally far more ruthless and power hungry than the people itself. And at the same time, the government will manipulate and use people um, it is said to serve for their own gain. And if they can get a person to believe that a nation is always fighting for the right way, or fighting for truth and justice, or fighting for the best way to live life, then any bidding the person that, that does on behalf of the government is fighting towards the big, bigger picture of truth and justice and the right way that things need to get done. And I will tell one story because I, I see this all the time. I see this all the time in us as a nation. You can see it on Facebook come any election. The sin of nationalism is huge. And I will tell one story that is so foundational to my understanding about the difference between governments and people, but also like our misunderstanding of what, um, uh, and sometimes what happens in American churches is syncretistic. It's like it comes in and it just blends like religion and worshiping Jesus and worshiping the nation are almost the same thing. And it's sad because um, this tale uh, shows how sneaky the worship of the cult of government can be and how much it even creeps into our church culture. So one fourth of July in my early 20s, I visited a church in Orange, California. I was there with my friend from Russia. Um, and I was there, I had uh, three other friends with me. Two were uh, from the UK and one was from New Zealand. So there were five of us from, uh, what is that? Four different nations. I'm not very good at math this morning. Four different nations. I was the only US citizen in the group that visited that church. And it never dawned on me before this uh, that the fourth was uh, is patriotic as it showed itself to be that day. And I, I attribute this because my dad was a firefighter and he hated the 4th of July because it caused wildfires and blew off people's fingers. So he, we, that was not like the big patriotic day for us growing up. But when the church service started, the pastor got up, first words out of his mouth, he railed against the UK and against Russia. And I'm sitting right by a Russian and right by two UKs. And, and, and the New Zealander is just like, well, I'm kind of neutral. So he wasn't really involved in it. But they all looked at me going like, this? This is what church is like in America? This is one of their first church's experiences in the United States. And I'm just sitting there going like, oh, my God, I've never experienced this in my life. I've never done this. The, and, and as he started the service railing against the UK and Russia, just going off on not only the nations, but the people of those nations as well, godless heathens that aren't, you know, they're not God-fearing, they're so this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting there going like, oh my gosh, these are my friends who I'm actually serving on a mission uh, with in Las Vegas. And it was, it was just one of the 
weirdest things I've ever been ex- experiencing. And it's um, and then what they did during the during the time they were raising up the U.S. as the greatest example of a Christian nation and Christian people. They were saying how great every American is. This is just such a God-fearing country. God-fearing country. And that we don't really do anything wrong. And the service got more patriotic from there. All the songs were not sung to Jesus. They were sung about America. Or my country, tis of thee, that kind of thing. And the sermon was quite the opposite of this one, <laughs> as you can imagine. It was, And the pastor was telling us that we should all sacrifice everything that we have for this great nation, the United States, not one, not not one mention of the kingdom of God, not one mention of of this, and and there were flags waving in this church as well. And it's not because they were hyper charismatic or anything like that. It was the American flags, but it reminded me of the times that I've gone to the charismatic churches where there's just a waving flag, like people were marching up and down the aisle with the American flag. It was worship. But it was not worship of Jesus. And it was in a church that claims to be about Christ. This was their act of worship, the American flag. Decrying other countries as pagan and heathen. This is what I consider the sin of nationalism. Making other people demonic while lifting up yourself. I was uncomfortable to be there, to be certain. I was... um, and after the service, we had a three and a half hour ride back to where we were staying. And I got an, a master class in the damaging effects of nationalism. As we talked about it the whole way there. And after all, we were all Christians and we were serving at the same mission and we were from different nations. And so we had long conversations on the way back about God's kingdom and about how that's different than our own nation and how it's the world, um, we don't have to praise our nation. We get to praise God and God's kingdom. And that has a different government altogether that goes against the cult of government that we see perpetrated in our country. And this text and the following chapters allow us to see what becomes of these great nations, these great governments, these great ruling parties. They fail in their endeavors to protect and lead their people in truth and justice. They fail. They believe in their power so much, their power so much, that they march against the God of heaven to fight him. And in their mind, I'm I'm imagining they think they're not going to go to battle thinking that they're going to lose. That they're going to beat God. And God literally shakes the heavens and the earth with this seven seal being poured out. There is no longer anywhere to run or to hide. The cult of government is coming to an end. The demonic world powers are ended with a word from Jesus. And we get to remember that as followers of Jesus, Ephesians 6, 12 reminds us, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against different nations or the people in those nations. But we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is who we battle. And then I would remind us of 1 John 4, uh, 4 through 6. It says, little children. That's us, by the way, even the adults. Little children. 
Are you from God and have overcome them? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I'll say this, and I'm going to say it boldly. Nationalism is a sin. Thinking somehow that we can just mix Jesus in the United States, this is in our context here, is a sin. Worshiping the cult of government is a failing endeavor, and we see that here in this text. We can't let the world deceive us and tell us that they are fighting for God at every turn and every time they want to make this out. We can't get this into our mind and let the country, uh, let in, in our case, either party use us for the continuance of their false God of government. And I'm grateful for where we live and I'm grateful for this country. I'm grateful that I've been raised in the United States, but that doesn't mean I love every part of the American way. Because the truth is, is that we're all, um, we're all aliens and foreigners of this land as well. And I'm glad that we have the freedom and to explore great dimensions of our faith without restriction or uh, direct inference from the government. Like I'm not being assassinated. Maybe I, right now for saying this stuff, I'm not, I'm not in fear of that. I can speak out. I can speak my mind. But if you ever run for government, you might want to make me erase this sermon from the backlog first. <laughs> uh, just so that you could, if you say you're a part of this church. But we get to um, also submit to the, our authorities and pray for them, knowing that even in all this, knowing that they're not necessarily doing us good and we get to do this with eyes open knowing that the government wants us to effectively worship the government and we don't worship the government we worship Jesus but that doesn't mean that we can't just be a, a decent citizen and participate in this government that we have it just means we don't worship it we don't worship it government's not a bad thing it's a good thing but when we make it the God thing that's when we fall into this cult of worship and it, it, this government wants us to think that they have the solutions to all our problems. But you know what? They generally speaking miss Christ at every turn. And we need Jesus. And Jesus and financial training would be fine, right? But just financial training without Jesus or even with this missing Jesus in the midst of that, that's not, that's not helpful. We need Christ to come in and change our hearts and our minds. And this isn't, I don't say uh, this because of the party that's in office right now. Because the truth is that the, it doesn't matter what party's in there. What, the cult of government is still there. They want us to worship their power and influence and submit to them as perfect citizens. That would be nice for them, wouldn't it? We can know and believe that there are nations and people out there that don't like our nations. And they have their just reasons for that. And, some, and sometimes they're just and sometimes they're not. Same as we have our opinions about other nations as well. We get to lay those down at the feet of Jesus because we're not perfect, but Jesus is. His kingdom is our true kingdom and we worship Jesus and not a false God of government. We are watching this war from God's throne room is during this scene where we are as Christians, we're watching it from his throne room. 
either that or were combatants on his side, like lined up behind him. But even if that's the case, even if we're out there and we're combatants, we don't fight. God fights. Tells us over and over in the Psalms, God fights for us. And God always wins his battles, as the children's storybook says it in the story of Goliath. God always wins his battle because he is the king above all kings and Lord above all lords. The Lord in Psalm 2 who laughs at derisions and the nations for their so-called power because he is in ultimate power. So if we're going to be patriotic as Christians, let us be patriotic towards the kingdom of God and towards the king who is above all kings. That's what we get to do. And I know that this is not like a a popular sermon to preach. And I'm glad that this type of text doesn't come up all the time because in in the United States, you're not allowed to say anything negative. But we need to hear it. We need to hear it. We need to be reminded that we can't get sucked into the cult of government. And I feel that I have to say that I'm not just talking about our nation again. I'm talking about this is how the world runs. Every person needs to hear this if their government wants them to worship. And most governments want them to be want to be worshipped to a certain extent. And the government uses fear to keep us in check. God uses love to encourage us in the right way. And either fear, uh, they usually use fear of retaliation or fear that we might say the wrong thing at the right, uh, at the wrong time. You know what? We don't live in fear. We don't live in fear. We live in freedom and we live in freedom, but freedom that Christ gives us because we know that we are foreigners and aliens of this world. And we need to be reminded of that from time to time. There's a saying from the throne as this seventh bowl is being poured out into the air. The saying is, it is done. What does that remind you of? It is finished. It is finished. Should lead us to think of Jesus on the cross and Jesus said, it is finished. God's kingdom is secured by what Jesus has done. And we are secured in it based on the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. It is because of Jesus' sacrifice, the fact that he said it's finished, that we are forgiven, that we are given grace, that we are made whole, that we are given love, and we're given a better life because our life is found in him. Jesus gave himself for us. He didn't use us. He did it for us. Just as the Bible says over and over that this fight is God's fight. So God, I pray that you will keep doing that and that you will help us avoid Babylon the Great and worship you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.